This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica. Good morning. Coming up on this edition of Sunday Focus, Becky Dorman from the Sioux Falls School District joins the show to talk about the latest employment needs in the Sioux Falls School District. And we also have Millennium Recycling on to tell us about how to properly recycle in the state of South Dakota. All that and more coming up on Sunday Focus. I'm being joined over the phone line right now with the president of Millennium Recycling here in the Sioux Empire. We have Shannon Dwyer here with us. Hey, good morning, Shannon. Good morning. You know, thank you for joining us over the phone. We have a lot to go over. But before we get started, let's just talk about Millennium Recycling. What is Millennium Recycling? Millennium Recycling is a processor or MRF. Uh, we are, uh, MRF stands for Material Recovery Facility. We collect recycling from the uh, throughout the region and supply it to miller, mill, paper mills and uh, plastics, metals, uh, organizations that process the material back into new products. So when would you say Millennium Recycling started here in the Sioux Empire? Uh, Millennium Recycling was bought by the current owner, Jake Anderson, back in 1999. Um, and we were just a small processing facility and we've grown from there. Let's go over some numbers that we have with Millennium Recycling. How much recyclable items would you say that your organization collects in a year? About 50,000 tons. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's like a whole bunch of elephants, am I right? Sure is. Sure is. <laughs> How much would you say in a day, then? Um, we're about 190 tons average per day. Wow. Okay. So this is a lot of recyclable items that go through just in the Sioux Empire alone. Now, how does the process of recycling work at Millennium Recycling? Uh, for the most part, we collect. Um, and that means by we, it's most of the material is actually brought to us. Um, we do do a little bit outside of what's brought. But garbage haulers, city municipalities, counties, bring material into us where we uh, segregate and um, package for um, distribution out to the uh, mill, paper mills and users. So for anyone who hasn't been in Millennium Recycling before, can you just describe what people see when they go into the facility if they do have stuff to drop off? Okay, it's a big eye-opener. Um, if they have stuff to drop off, we've got a public drop-off uh, place right out in front of the building. There's a bright green bin that accepts single-string recycling, and then we've also got some cardboard containers, and that's specifically for the residents. Um, and then we do take commercial drop-off as well that is around back, and, and that's a little overwhelming for people coming in. It looks very industrial. We've got a lot of equipment and a lot of activity that goes on in a small space. A lot of people usually wonder about what actually can and cannot be recycled. There's a lot of myths behind it. So what can you recycle? You know, that what you can recycle hasn't changed a whole lot over the years. Um, it's just be like before when you used to, we used to collect everything separated. Now it's those same items all in one bin. So we do what is called single stream recycling, where everyone can easily put everything into one bin and or drop it here in one bin, and we sort it and make it ready for the end users. So um, the same items that's uh, pop cans, tin food cans, plastic bottles, tubs and jugs, your office paper and junk mail, magazines and newspapers, 
cardboard. A lot of times, two people kind of get confused on what can't be recycled. So what are, what are those items that are just better left off in the trash? Uh, we don't like film or um, bag material. The only time we ever accept a bag now is when it's shredded paper. We capture that in a, a clear bag, and we can take that in a single stream. Um, but other than that, we do not want to see any film. Um, we do not want to see... Uh, like sticker material, we don't want to see porcelain or ceramics, uh, we don't want to see scrap metals or wood, uh, medical, um, like home health medical items, we don't want to see any of that come in, That that is prohibited. I've actually been into Millennium Recycling a few times, and there was a couple of times where I saw a bag in, in the mix. So what happens if one of your team members does come across an item that can't be recycled? We do pull that out, um, and it does end up back in the waste stream, or we try to recycle it from our side where um, we pull it out aside and we separate it. So the items that shouldn't be in that mix, we do do our best to dispose of them properly. How does this actually affect the process at Millennium Recycling? Um, It slows our process down. It can also damage equipment, and it can be harmful to our employees. Um, Items such as like your scrap metal, if it gets caught in equipment, or people have to grab it off the lines, um, it can expose them to dangers that you wouldn't normally have because of the, the equipment. Why does recycling make a difference? Does it actually make a difference? We believe it certainly does. Um, it's a lot of items that don't belong in the landfill and save space in the landfill. Um, but also, we as COVID really actually pointed this out, how essential the supply is of recyclable items. A lot of those items are really needed to remanufacture into new usable um, products. So like your, uh, your office paper, for example, goes back into tissue, which is your paper towels and your toilet paper, or your, your aluminum cans go back into new can product. Um, your plastics go back into new plastics. It's interesting how you bring up COVID. I know we said before we before we started the interview that I'm like, oh, we're not we're gonna we're not gonna really talk about COVID that much. But now that you bring it up in that regard, COVID did kind of have an impact on you guys. It sure did. Um, it, not to mention the the fact that staffing can be a challenge during COVID. But we actually got busier. We saw a change in the material type that came in. Um, and being essential and, and needed, uh, we were here, and it still was day-to-day operations that we had to complete. You have probably been with Millennium Recycling for a long time. Did you ever imagine leading an organization during a pandemic? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> to I don't think anybody sees those challenges coming. <laughs> How did your team react to it? What did you guys, because like I said, I've been in your facility before, and I kind of understand that everyone is pretty much spaced out. So what did you do in order to adapt to the new normal? We followed all safety protocols. Uh, due to the fact that we're fairly spaced out, that allowed us a lot more freedoms than maybe in enclosed structures do. Um, there's a lot of air circulation here with the doors opening and closing and a lot of ventilation. But we, everyone actually is spaced out in their own workspaces. So that, that uh, provides a lot of um, work um, freedoms, I guess, and maybe a little safer work environment that way. Um, and we did the cleaning protocols and, and uh, masking when it was acquired also. So, you know, you follow those protocols, but also it's, it's, our environment actually was a little easier to work in. 
I almost want to say production grew for Millennium Recycling because a lot more people were staying home. Am I right in saying that statement? Uh, That would be correct. A lot of the commercial or the business side kind of slowed back a little bit, and then the residential recycling really amped up. All those people staying home, uh, they drank a lot more container uh, beverages, um, and a lot of stuff was shipped home into homes, and so you got a lot of shipping and packaging that way because of uh, the new uh, shipping environment and and, uh, shopping online. Were you kind of surprised at how much the need for Millennium Recycling grew during COVID? It did surprise us a little bit. Just, I mean, we saw some of these changes happening just over the years with all the the online shopping, but it happened so quickly, and the pandemic really, really quickened that. So, we saw a lot more of what some people term the Amazon effect to the the shipping packaging boxes. Um, so, some of that did change very quickly. If you are just joining us, uh, Shannon Dwyer, she is the president of the Millennium Recycling here in the Sioux Empire. It's interesting that we bring up about residential people recycling, more residential housing. And there's a couple of reasons why I bring that up. One, I actually wrote a story about the lack of recycling throughout the state of South Dakota. And coincidentally, Millennium Recycling is actually working with the city sustainability department to voice this concern. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, we are always working with them to try to uh, encourage education. We're always working with them on encouraging um, continuous education through the school systems and also with businesses here in town. Um, but one of our concerns is, is with as busy as things get and, and how COVID did treat the community and how our community is growing so quickly, we want to make sure that we're keeping up with that and keeping recycling on the forefront and as, as an item that is, um, that is not uh, made less important. Sometimes when we write stories here, we don't always intend for it to start a conversation. But in this particular case, it did. So we always talk about in the office here how we do need more recycling bins. We do need to have that easier access in order to recycle products that can be recycled. Were those kind of the same conversations that you guys were having at Millennium Recycling? We do, and we we tend to have those conversations pretty regularly. Um, We often comment when we're out in public, okay, they have garbage bins here, but they don't have recycling here. Or when we visit other cities, you see how well they do that. And we're always trying to encourage um, better sustainability practices here in Sioux Falls. So um, when any of that sustainability um, comes up with the city, we are making sure that we have those conversations. And I will be clear when when I say this, they do have recycling bins over at the government buildings. And there's even some recycling bins in downtown Sioux Falls and even around the bike trails. However, it's really lacking in some businesses and even apartment complexes. That is correct. And that's always a challenge. It's trying to get uh, some of these either um, multi-family facilities to, to properly educate or to have proper receptacles available to their to people. Um, it's also difficult to get businesses where, you know, they feel it is a, an extra step or they also feel that it's um, something that's difficult with staffing um, to get them to uh, create that habit and, and that uh, the way to properly uh, handle their waste. 
So when you meet with the city sustainability department, what are some plans that you have placed in front of them that could be friendly suggestions too? Um, always proper education, always making sure that the education's available, uh, making sure it's out in front of them, whether it's social media or pamphlets or free pamphlets. Um, we work with them and try to um, make education the same, so you have the same message being taught, uh, whether it's through each individual hauler, whether it's between them and us, or it's between the communities. Uh, since the landfill does cover five counties, we really want to encourage the same education between all five counties and all the cities. What are some myths and misconceptions about recycling here in South Dakota and even in the city of Sioux Falls? Uh, one of the major ones we've been addressing is the fact that a lot of people think we don't, aren't able to recycle a lot of items. And we actually, when comparing ourselves to other cities across the nation, we have very similar, if not more, items are able to be recycled. So. Yeah, and just I'm looking at the article written, and, and there is a, a law in place that does say that all government buildings in the state and even by your desk, they're required to have a recycling bin. However, it's only a friendly suggestion if you're in the counties and the other cities because they have the right to establish their own mandatory recycling laws and ordinances. Do you hope at some point will change in the future? Um, you know, I'm never one for forcing people, but I want I want the availability and I want the fact that, you know, this is something that we've decided and we want to encourage in our communities and that we know is a better practice. Um, They need to be a leader and show by example. Um, And they need to provide receptacles. They need to make sure that's available. They need to have them placed properly. What are some other hopes that you have for the future of recycling here in South Dakota and the city of Sioux Falls? Um, I'd like to see people value it a little more. I'd like to see, um, you know, sometimes it's it's real easy to talk and it's real easy to encourage and it's real easy to talk about how great recycling is, but I also want to see it in practice. So I want that attitude to go in decision-making. I want that attitude to go into the businesses. I want that attitude to go, you know, to grow among residents and, and to be practice yeah yeah absolutely and i was going to say and clearly people they want to recycle just by the the response that you were getting throughout the pandemic absolutely absolutely and that's definitely the hope for the future now shannon where can people go in order to drop off their recyclable items if they don't have access to that okay we do have uh drop-off bins available in front of our building uh, the landfill actually also has drop-off bins available. So those that are visiting the landfill and want to be able to drop off the recycling, they have those bins available as well. Um, and your garbage haulers all recycle and are, and are by ordinance required to provide recycling. So I encourage you to use your garbage haulers to, to recycle. What are some other simple ways that people can recycle and just make the planet a little better place to live? Um, we also encourage uh, reducing. So, I mean, watch what kind of packaging you're getting. Um, the items that you buy, make sure they're coming in recyclable type packaging. Um, a lot of packages seem like they could be or promoted that they could be, um, but they are not necessarily the case by the time that they come here. Um, so, and we call that wish cycling, where there's, you know, people that want to do right or manufacturing that makes something look recyclable, but it maybe isn't. 
So, um, so we just ask that people try to reduce what they're using, um, reuse it, and we absolutely encourage reusing. Um, there's all sorts of items here in the city of Sioux Falls that can be reused, including like lumber and clothing and, and some of your reuse stores. So, um, Absolutely, and I, I totally agree. Now, can people pick up recycling bins at Millennium Recycling if they do want it in their house? We do not have recycling bins available, no. Um, but uh, we certainly, you can bring them out, you know, your recyclables out here and, and dump them into our, into our bins. Darn it, so. I was hoping to go grab one from you. <laughs> you foiled my plan, Shannon. <laughs> it's an awful big community for a small company like ours to have to supply. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can definitely agree with that. If you are just joining us, I'm being joined by the president of Millennium Recycling here in the Sioux Empire. It's Shannon Dwyer. Now, where can people go and find more information about Millennium Recycling or if they have more questions about what and cannot be recycled? All right. You are welcome to our website has a, a host of tools at millenniumrecycling.com, including a great search bar that goes into the whole history of, um, of what we uh, do. And we've got a blog that includes all that information and explanation. So we encourage you to use that search bar. Um, social media. Uh, we also are on Facebook and, and you'll find us on all that social media. Um, and there's a lot of fun posts we try to keep up. Um, uh, Marissa, we have an education person here that uh, is, and she also does a lot of our graphics. She does a fantastic job keeping all of that up. So we encourage you to check that website. And you're always welcome to call and you can stop in. We are more than happy to help you. Awesome. Once again, it's Shannon Dwyer with Millennium Recycling here in the Sioux Empire. And Shannon, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. I'm being joined over the phone by Becky Dorman. She is the Human Resource Director for the Sioux Falls School District. Hey, Becky, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Christine. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, there are a lot of things that have happened within the last couple of years, and a lot of those are thanks to the pandemic, including numerous shortages and, you know, the supply chains, they are continuing to affect people throughout the world. And furthermore, these shortages are affecting employers, including the Sioux Falls School District, and there actually are a lot of needs in the school district right now for employee need for employees. So let's start off with the need for janitors. So what's a typical day for a custodian? Sure. Um, our custodians that we're looking for right now, we call them our trainee custodians, and they come to uh, work at our high school, so they'd be placed at one of our four high schools. And um, as students are leaving, that's when this group of staff come aboard and they start working. They usually work from about 3 p.m. to 11.30. Um, and they're, they're cleaning up after, after students. They're getting the day um, uh, washed away and ready for a, a, a new one um, for kids to arrive the next morning. So um, what their day would look like is they're, they're going to be super busy. So this is a great job if you're somebody who likes to um, be on your feet, moving around. Um, if you like to do some work independently, um, this, is, this is a great job for you. Absolutely. So are these full-time positions, part-time positions? We need um, 12 full-time staff right now in our custodial area. And then we'll take on also part-time positions as needed. So we have really a need for both. Um, the full-time is, is 40 hours a week, 
and part-time is really anything under 40 hours a week. What are the qualifications if someone wants to become a custodian? Okay. Um, first of all, they would have to apply through the Sioux Falls School District's website, or they can apply through Indeed. Um, they would have to undergo a criminal background check, a drug screen, and a physical, and those are things that would happen, you know, after post-offer. Um, and then they would, you know, just have to have reliable transportation. We do the training, so we will show you what we need to have done. Um, so it really is a great opportunity for someone to get their foot in the door, um, and then opportunities for advancement as well. I know that this shortage has been going on, uh, going on for a little bit now. As a result of this janitor shortage, how have the schools adapted to the situation? You know, we've, we've had to get creative with staffing. You know, of course, the first thing you, you look to is having those who are employed. You want to make sure you're keeping them. So the district went through uh, its hourly staff um, for the most part and gave pay increases. Um, to ensure that we were competitive with others in the community for what they were paying for that same type of work. So that was the first thing that we did. Um, and then after that, we looked at how are we staffed? Where can we um, you know, move someone around to where we're short in an area? And then we got creative after that. And we've hired some high school students to come in and do some of the routine things like emptying the garbage and vacuuming and maybe wiping things down to free up our employed adults to do the other custodial duties. I'm guessing that maybe some kids had to learn how to clean too in the schools. I think there's been a lot of learning that's happening <laughs> during the pandemic, yes. Let's talk about what's really hitting the Sioux Falls School District. It's the need for substitute teachers. That's pretty high, and it's probably been the highest it's been in a while. And I know we've talked about this in the past about the need for substitute teachers, but it's true. So COVID just really prolonged the situation. Typically, what is a day like for a substitute teacher? <laughs> well, the, the uh, substitute teachers... Um, you know, you've got to be the kind of person that can, can think on your feet. Um, the typical day is, you know, they, they check in at the, at the school office and they, they find their assignment for the day. Um, and then the teacher will have left plans for them and then they do their best to, you know, carry out those plans. Um, depending on the day and the situation and, and the absenteeism at that particular school, they may, you know, start their day, let's say if you're at a high school, you might start your day in English 1 and end up in PE because we needed someone to help out in the PE area. So, you know, just having that um, flexibility, that attitude that, hey, I'm an adult here and I can help this school by, you know, being where they need me, um, those are the kind of folks that we're looking for. On average, how many substitute teachers are needed on a weekly basis in the Sioux Falls School District, maybe even on a daily basis? Sure. You know, we will need between 200 and 300 substitute teachers during this prime cold and flu season. Um, and we also um, sometimes use our substitute teaching staff to provide professional development opportunities for our existing teachers, like if if teachers need to get together to look at student data or have some common planning or, you know, um, just some professional development, we would have substitute teachers 
come into the classroom and supervise the students so our teachers can step away and take care of those things. Um, during a year, over the past two years, we've had to really watch closely. We love to you know, offer those opportunities for teachers, but we don't always have the substitute staff available to do that. So we just have to watch those numbers really closely. So what are those qualifications to become a substitute teacher? Um, with substitute teaching, of course, you apply through the district's website. And then we are looking for individuals who um, have a bachelor's degree. Or if you don't have a bachelor's degree, that's fine. We're looking for someone with you know, three to four uh, years of solid work experience. We need positive employment and personal references. Um, and then after that, um, we're looking at individuals uh, that can undergo a background check um, and then be available to attend our training because we do quite a bit of training for substitute teachers. Absolutely. Why do you think, Becky, there is such a sudden need for substitute teachers? Um, you know, I, I don't know that I can say that, that it's sudden. We, you know, whenever there's uh, teachers that are going to be absent, absent from the classroom, um, we know that our need for subs is going to increase. So we just, with what's been so interesting in the cold and flu and even pandemic related is our, when cold and flu season comes around, people are out of the classroom. Yes, our substitutes are there to help us out, but sometimes they get sick as well. So I think you'll customarily find you know, January, February, and March is high need months for us. Absolutely. If you were just listening, Becky Dorman with the Sioux Falls School District, she's on the phone line with us. Now, why do you think anyone should consider becoming a substitute teacher, Becky? You know, a substitute teaching is, is a great way to help your community, to help your school. Maybe it's your child's school, or maybe you had a student graduate from a particular school and you just you know, you feel that tie, you want to be part of a school community, subbing is an incredible way to do that. It also provides um, individuals with the most flexible job they could ever have. If you have two afternoons a month that you're available for the Sioux Falls Public Schools, we'd love to bring you on as a substitute teacher. We can be that flexible. Um, we know a lot of people have other commitments in the community, whether they're um, working other jobs, they're going to school, um, they're volunteering, they're really busy. So subbing provides them with income and flexibility for the rest of their lives. Now, from my understanding too, Becky, I think, can college kids be a part of this too? Can they substitute teach? Yes, that is uh, an avenue that we have um, started over the past couple of years is um, bringing in college students. We, we love having them when they're on their breaks. Um, we, we were able to get some in here last year because colleges took longer breaks, so we had a college break sub program. Um, and so I believe we brought in about 250 college students to help out in identified areas in the schools, and that was, I'd say, wildly successful. You know, for a month or more, we had every single substitute teacher or substitute EA position filled, um, and so that was really really gave us a breather. So that was great. Now this year we had uh, some of them back. Their breaks were shorter, but we still welcome them back to come help us out in identified areas. And so uh, we really enjoy having them here. Um, and we know that we'll maybe pick up some of them during their spring breaks.
and then if they um, are done with college in early May, we'll get them for you know the last couple weeks of school. So. So, Becky, for anyone that's interested in maybe becoming a substitute teacher or maybe one of the full-time positions, like being a, a custodian, why do you think anybody should work for the Sioux Falls School District? You know, um, what, what better way or what better job you could have than to say that you made somebody's day? And truly, um, our schools love it when they have caring, capable adults in, in school able to support children and students. Um, I think there's people in the community that have so much to offer. And so even if you don't have that typical teaching degree, you still have a lot to offer students. And there's a lot that students could benefit from your, your leadership, your caring, your sense of community. All right, awesome. Becky Dorman, she is with the Sioux Falls School District. And Becky, if anyone has any questions about the Sioux Falls School District and are interested in the employment opportunities, where can they go or who can they contact? I think um, starting with our school district website is a great place to start. Um, you can either Google Sioux Falls School District or our website is sf.k12.sd.us. Um, and then from there, you'll find emails and phone numbers of you'd need to talk to depending on your um, area of interest. All right. Awesome. Becky Dorman, thanks so much for joining us this morning. All right. Thank you. I'm Christine Manica, and you've been listening to Sunday Focus. I'd like to thank Becky Dorman from the Sioux Falls School District and Millennium Recycling for joining the program today. Join us again next week for another edition of Sunday Focus. Sunday Focus is a public affairs program of Results Radio, Town Square Media, Sioux Falls.